if you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Nehemiah, chapter number four. I want to read the first six verses of Nehemiah, chapter number four. Nehemiah, chapter number four. Once you've located that, I will read out loud. You read silently along with me, but let, we'll read this together. Nehemiah chapter number four, <clears throat> excuse me, starting in verse number one. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the walls, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, Why do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up and they le- I'm sorry, if a fox go up, he shall even break down the stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And I covered and I covered not their and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out uh, from before them. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So build we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. And let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible. Ask you to please, Lord, bless us tonight and make some sense and give us some wisdom and give us some knowledge and direction with your word. Thank you for the dear people that are here, their sacrifice, the atmosphere. Thank you so much. It's all only because of you. I acknowledge that, and we want you to be with us tonight. Please help us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Since you talked with the Lord and told him your heart's hidden secrets, how long since you prayed, how long since you stayed on your knees till the light shone through. How long has it been since your mind felt at ease? How long since your heart knew no burden? Call him your friend. How long has it been since you knew that he cared for you? 
been since you knelt by your bed and prayed to the Lord up in heaven. How long since you knew that he'd answer you and would keep you the long night through. How long has it been since you walk with the dawn and felt that the day is worth the living? Call him your friend. How long has it been since you knew that he cared for you? Can you call him your friend? It's just how long has it been since you knew that he cared for you. chapter 4, starting in verse number 1. To succeed. Succeed, the satisfactory accomplishment of something attempted. I've attempted something, I accomplished it, success. To attain the attainment of something desired, success, or to succeed. To succeed, let me see what this would be. To be able to carry money without spending it. For son, that would be a huge success. To be able to bear an iniquity, to, to bear an injustice without retaliation. To just bear it without wanting to get even. To be able to keep at a job until it is accomplished. Men no longer keep their word. Success, to be able to do one's duty even if they're not being watched. Success. To be able to accept criticism without letting it whip you. We live in a day today, even with corrective or helpful criticism, we just don't like it. Therefore, we won't succeed. A man by the name of Napoleon Hill said this about success. Before success comes in any man's life, he is sure to meet with much temporary defeat and perhaps some failure. Listen to me again. Watch what he says. Before success 
comes in a man's life, he is sure to meet with much temporary defeat, <clears throat> excuse me, and perhaps some failure. When defeat overtakes a man, the easiest and most logical thing to do is quit. The easiest and most logical thing to do is to quit when we've had failure or a setback. That's exactly what the majority of people, I'm still quoting, that's the, exactly the, what the majority of people do. They just quit. Nehemiah was given a task by God and succeeded. He succeeded in his task. But how did he do this? How does one achieve the ministry or achieve the work that God has given them. I think Nehemiah is an excellent illustration of how that's done. I want to talk to you tonight about things Christians must learn to succeed. Things Christians must learn to succeed. I want to help you tonight. So let's have prayer. Did I already pray? I already prayed. Would it, would it hurt to pray again? Okay, let's pray again. Father, thank you for the Bible. Holy Ghost of God, please lead and direct my mind. May my thoughts come together as they should after a long day. I pray that it will be a blessing to the people that they'll add these things to their life as you pointed out to them. And we'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, things Christians must learn to succeed. You must learn to ignore ridicule. You must learn to ignore ridicule. Go to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 1 through 3. But it came to pass when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before the brethren in the armies of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? See what he's doing? He's ridiculing them. He's mocking them. He's ridiculing them. What do these feeble Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish of the burden? Verse number 3. And Tobiah, uh, Tobiah here reminds me of a guy who runs around with a bigger guy. And as long as the bigger guy says something, he backs up and goes like, yeah, how about that? It's one of those kind of people. Because he, he's never the leader. He never speaks for himself. It's like, yeah, let me add this too, that kind of a guy. Okay. Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was with him talking about um, Sanballat. And he said, even that which they build it, if a even if a fox went up, it'd fall down. See, you can almost hear him say it. I can anyway. Uh, go up against it, it shall break down the stone wall. You and I, as children of God, should expect, expect, that's what I'm saying, expect ridicule. I didn't say like it. I said expect it. Even the Lord Jesus in the New Testament told us what we should be looking forward to. Go to John chapter number 15, New Testament. We're coming back here. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter number 15 and verse number 18. 15, verse number 18. John chapter 15 and verse number 18. Jesus himself in the New Testament to us said, if you would, expect ridicule, it's coming. So he tells us ahead of time so it will not shock us and so that we cannot succeed because that's what ridicule is intended to do, is to stop you in your tracks, thus stopping you from succeeding. And it normally works. Watch what Jesus said, verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me for it hated you. Now, he's just, he's just clearing the playing field and said, look, there's nothing on you. They even hated me, and I was perfect. They even hated me. I'm the son of God. They even hated me. I'm God in the flesh. They even hated What do you think they're going to do to you? Watch what he says. If, the world, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that 
I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. This is a shocker to young Christians. It really is. It caught me completely off guard. And to the immature Christian. They don't like it. They will not accept it. They don't know why it's going on. And yet the Lord warned us that just by you being associated with him, the world's going to hate you. The world will come after you. The world will ridicule you. The world will want to put a basket over top of your light. It'll want to it will take your salt and make the savor of that salt to go away. It'll figure out a way to do that. They think because that, that the young Christian thinks because, I remember, oh, I remember this. I remember this so much. I was so filled with the love of God and the peace and the joy of the Lord, I thought everybody would love me. I don't think that anymore. Now, my wife still thinks that. I don't think that anymore. But I, I thought that when I first got saved. So everybody will want to hear what I've got. Everybody will want to hear what I have to say. I was so filled full of love and peace and joy. I just wanted to share it with everybody. You won't believe what happened. Ridicule. Right off the bat, oh, you think you're better than everybody else because all of a sudden you went to church. I have never said that for my life to anybody. So ridicule comes. So we find out here, so what happens? When this happens, many times our feelings get hurt. We decide it's not what we expected, so guess what we do? Just like Napoleon Hill said, we quit, right? Thus, the ridicule did what it was trying to do, and that was to cause you to stop from succeeding. And it works. Go to John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12. But don't turn there. We have a story here. I, I, I'm in a hurry. Uh, I haven't even got to it. Um, that's a terrible way to end church, isn't it? Um, <laughs> hey, if the preacher's hungry, we'll get out of church early. In John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, Jesus is at the house of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. You know the famous trio there. Not the singing trio, Mary and Martha. And we're talking about Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And so at supper time, Mary decides to take some ointment and anoint the Lord's feet and then wipe it with her, with her, with her uh, hair. And uh, you think everybody go, wow, that is really something. That is great. But that's not what happened. They questioned her. You read the story. And then they criticized her and they ridiculed her. And all this was going on. And then the Lord took her part and said, don't talk like that to this lady. Don't do she had performed a good work on me. So the Lord stood up for her, even though his own disciples criticized her. Folks, sometimes it comes from the people right around us. It just does. Sometimes they don't understand. They think they've got all knowledge. You know how people are. And they think they have all this going for them. Sometimes the best answer to a smart answer is no answer. I say smart answer. I mean smart aleck. Sometimes the best answer to a smart aleck answer is no answer at all. Just look at him like this. Don't walk away. Leave them there with a mouthful of marbles and they don't know what they're doing. So the first thing you're going to have to learn, church, listen to me. If you're going to mature in the Lord, you've got to just look at people and go, whatever, turn and walk away. Okay? Ridicule. Number two, you must learn to pray about those that ridicule. Let me show you where I'm getting that from. You must pray, uh, you must learn to pray about those that ridicule. Nehemiah chapter 4, look at verse number five, 4 and 5. Nehemiah chapter 4, 4 and 5. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Now, this is Nehemiah praying. So he's going to God. He just got ridiculed by Sanballat and his little sidekick here, Tobiah. And, uh, and, and so here they are. So he doesn't go after. He simply turns to the Lord. He starts to pray. Hear, 
uh, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of, the cap of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So they're making fun of God, and watch what happens here. Never take action of vengeance upon yourself. Don't, I'm just telling you, it's a huge mistake. People do it all the time and try to justify it, but it is a huge mistake. In James chapter number 1, verse number 2, it says, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You get all upset and go after somebody and think you're going to teach somebody a good lesson. There's no good lesson in that when you do that. The Bible said, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The Christian that wishes to succeed in his life for God cannot overstep his bounds and step into God's area. God said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Now, if you trust the Lord, let him handle his job. But we get impatient. God can perform vengeance a whole lot better than you can. He knows how to do it. He knows when to do it. He knows exactly what needs to take place. You and I don't. We're, most of the time, we're just responding out of emotion, and we don't really know what we're doing. The Christian that wishes to succeed in his life for God cannot overstep his bounds. Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 30. Vengeance belongeth to me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. God said, look, it's my business, not yours. You stay out of my business. God said, I will have vengeance. That's my area. You go to Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Don't do it. God clearly says that. But rather give place unto wrath. What he's saying is not just stand there and let somebody just keep shooting you. You're already dead and they just keep shooting you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, watch what he says. Dearly beloved, avenge. Don't, 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 don't get heated. Just step out of the way. Let vengeance do what they think they're going to do. Why? Watch the rest of the verse. It says this, For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. God said, look, you just, just do what you're supposed to do. Let vengeance do what they think they're going to do. I will repay. So don't you worry about that. Let God do his job. If you're going to succeed for the Lord, you're going to have to understand some of these things. Many a good Christian has left their duty to be an avenger for God. I don't get on the internet, you do. And you tell me all that, guess what so-and-so is saying, guess what they're doing, and guess what they're starting, guess what they did, guess what they wrote, guess what they, yeah, and you do this all the time. They, I'm talking about preachers and full-time workers that have gotten out of the ministry thinking they're going to avenge what people are doing to Christianity. It's, there's no Bible for that, folks. You cannot do that. And so they think they're going to answer the ridicule and try to set the record straight. You do know that gossip is not meant to get to the end of. It's not meant to get to the bottom of. Because as soon as you say, I know you said it. You said I was a liar. And they go, I did not. I said you might be a liar. So that one little word, see? And so it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And you're just trying to pound somebody and get even with them and teach them a lesson. God said, look, stay out of my business. I will handle all that. You're just going to have to learn to trust the Lord. So, again, the enemy has won because they ridiculed, and you don't know how to take it, and so, therefore, it did what it was trying to do, and that's to get you to quit and get out of where God has placed you. Many a good Christian has done that. Anytime the enemy of God can get us to walk away from the work God gave us and the place where God put us, you cannot succeed. 
We act as though today, if I do what God says, it doesn't matter the place where I do it. That's not true. You find Elijah in the Old Testament. I promise you, if Elijah had gone to a different brook than the one God had told him, he wouldn't have been fed. Also, there wouldn't have been another stream that he could have drank out of. And God said, you go to the brook Cherith, and I will meet you where? That's exactly there. And sure enough, guess where the raven showed up? There. And guess where they got fed? There. You have to understand, folks, you are in the Anchor Baptist Church by the design of God. It wasn't really your decision. You simply followed the Lord where he wanted you to, and he will feed you and give you drink there. And that's what you need to do. You cannot succeed. Why? Because he had the person who steps out of God's place and where God wants him, doing what God wants. You have stepped out of the purpose of God and the will of God, and therefore you cannot succeed. You can't succeed. You step out of God's will, you cannot succeed. You'll never fully do everything God has designed for you. Now, you became a Christian to do what God wants, yes? You didn't say, I'll become a Christian, but I'm not minding you. Nobody does that. We all start off saying, I want what God wants. I want to be where God wants me to be. I want to do what God wants me to do. And then ridicule comes along, and the next thing you know, we're paying way too much attention to it. And it does what it want, what it's supposed to do, and that is cause us not to succeed. It throws us, doesn't it? So here, anytime the enemy of God can get us to walk away from the work and the place where God put us, we cannot succeed because we just stepped out of the will of God. Nehemiah prayed about the ridicule. We just read it. And then guess what he did? He went back to work. Isn't that simple? We're making this way too difficult. He simply said, I'm going to tell God on you. That's what he did. He said, okay, Tobiah. Your little sidekick there, and also, um, what's his name? Sanballat. He said, I heard you. He didn't even argue with it. He doesn't even respond to them. He goes to the Lord and tells God all about it, and then goes and do what goes and does do. He went back to work. That's what he did. Someone has said the secret to success is like being a, like a duck. On the pond, you're just as smooth as all get out, and underneath you're paddling furiously. Quit letting everybody know you're about ready to chuck it all in. Quit letting everybody know. One more thing happened, and I'm done with all. Quit telling the devil your game plan. There will always be ridicule of one kind or another. Expect it. Pray about it. Let God handle it, and you just keep on working. That's what you need to do. Dr. Jack Hyatt taught me so much from a distance. He really did. People used to ask him all the time, how is it you kept on going when other people quit? the secret. He liked things simple too. Here's what he said. He said when people do something like that, here's what you need to do. He said the best way to silence your critics is to keep doing right and outwork them. Doesn't that sound complicated? You are looking for some key, some secret, some passage that will let you. No, folks, listen to me. Just pray. That's what Nehemiah did. And he went back to work. I wonder where Dr. Jack Hiles got that wisdom he got from the Bible. You get wisdom from God, and God wrote and gave us a Bible. And so, number one, you must learn to ignore ignorance. Please do not respond to foolish accusations and talk. It'll, it'll get you nowhere, okay? Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. You have to understand that. Number two, you must learn to pray about those that ridicule. Turn them over to God. Let it go. If God can't handle it, it can't be handled. Number three, expect temporary setbacks and delay. Expect it. 
when I make up my mind to do something, I want to do it right now. Let's go. You know, I'm finding out the older I get, it doesn't work. I get so frustrated because I want it done. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. Okay, let's do it today. Uh, preacher, we got to do this, and then we got to check with that. And you know how those deacons are. And uh, well, we're less one, so I'm going to get my way more often. Amen. There we go. Ex- expect ever. You even like that one, didn't you? Expect him. Look at Nehemiah chapter number four. Go down to verse number 10. Sorry about that, Andrew. <laughs> and your wife is signing. Wonderful. That couldn't be any better. What did she tell you, honey, to learn how to be quiet? Is that what she told him? Look at verse number 10. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burden. These are the people who carry things. These are the people who got the timbers. And these are the people who got the stone. And these are the people who got all these materials. These are the people that were helping those that were putting things together. They were bearing the burdens. That's why they're called burden bearers. Okay? Now watch what he says here. Uh, And the burdens were, were decayed. There was much rubbish. So they were not able to build the wall. Expect temporary setbacks and delays. Anyone that's ever been on a construction site, right? The more work you do, the more junk starts piling up. Amen? Can I have an amen? Got amen out there? Now what happens is if you don't stop every so often and clean, organize, you find out it becomes, what, what, what happens to us many times, it becomes counterproductive. Now you're stepping over things. Every time you carry something, you got to move that out of the way. And, oh, we left that door shut. And what's those tools doing there? And you find out the, more, the harder you work and the more you work, the more junk gets in your way at times. Are you listening to me? So what happens here is this. Look at verse number 11. And our adversary said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come up in the midst of them and slay them and cause the work to cease. What was going on here? Nehemiah and God's people were so busy building, when they had chunks of stone or whatever left, they just left it there and moved it out of the way. Come to find out there was so much junk, the enemy could actually hide behind it and sneak up on them. They were doing a good work, and the enemy said, here's our opportunity. These people are building so fast and stuff, they're not paying attention. Man, we'll be able to sneak right behind all of this rubbish that they left. Now, listen to me very carefully. Temporary setbacks are not bad if, 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 big word, if, if. Temporary setbacks are not bad if you get things cleaned up so you can continue to go forward. Temporary setbacks are not, now I don't like them. I don't like, I don't, I don't like backward. I don't like temporary. I don't like standing still. I don't like any of that. But I know it happens. I've been at this a long time. I know it happens. So what happens, there's nothing wrong with a temporary setback. If you get things cleaned up, this is in your own life and in our church. This is in your own family and in our church. This is with everybody. Listen to me. Everybody suffers temporary setback, and that's not necessarily bad. Sometimes in all of our busyness and all the ministry and everything else we do, things begin to pile up. We didn't mean for it to happen, but it happened. So what do you do? you got to sometimes just temporarily stop, not stop and put up a tent like I'm staying, to get this stuff cleaned out of the way. Why? Because i got work i got to get done. If we, do, if, if we do not take the time to keep the saints clean, the standards high, 
the path's cleared away, our tools sharpened, on down the road, we will be slowed, if not stopped altogether, and once again, we will not succeed. A long time ago, there was a guy by the name of Booker T. Washington. Not the rock and roll singer. 1856 to 1950. He said this, success is, is, is to be measured not so much by the position that one may reach in life. Now think about what the world teaches. Booker T. Washington said success is to be measured not so much by position which one may reach in life. You ready for this? You ready for this? As by the obstacles which he has overcome while trying to succeed. So once again, tough times in your life are good for you if you don't quit. Battling will make you better if you do not allow it to make you bitter. The trials that come in your life were never to destroy you or stop you. It was meant to strengthen you because you have other things that need to be accomplished. Church, listen to me. God is trying to strengthen us again. He wouldn't do that if we couldn't take it. He wouldn't do that if we didn't need it. Everything that's going on in your life right now is an absolute necessary thing that's going on in our life. The same truth is talked about in Ecclesiastes 10.10. If the iron be blunt, you remember that? If the iron be blunt and he do not whet the edge. What are you talking about? Sharpening. Now, I'm, I'm over here and I'm cutting down trees. I'm doing a good work, right? The more I cut, the more that edge gets dull. Pretty soon, it can become so dull, I'm not, I'm not whacking into the wood like I was when I started. Why? Because it's dull. So he said, if I don't stop and sharpen that, Guess what I have to do? I got to start putting forth more physical strength. I got to work harder because I'm not working smarter. I got to work harder because I'm not doing what God said to do. If the iron be blunt, now you have a choice. You can hit it harder, which is going to wear you out. Or you can temporarily stop, go over and whet a sharp on that, Get it all sharpened up. Take it back over and cut that thing down. That's what you want to do. So we find out the same truth there in Ecclesiastes 10.10. It would be best to temporarily stop and sharpen your tools. Christian, listen to me. Quit pushing in the flesh. You're pushing harder and harder. And this is where people say, I burned out serving the Lord. You burned out serving the Lord because you kept pressing in your flesh. Instead of stopping and sharpening your tools, your Bible reading, your prayer life, your church attendance, all of these things God taught you to do. Bless God, I'll persevere. I'll push up. You're pushing harder and harder all the time. It's wearing you out. And guess who gets the blame for it? God does. Well, I was serving the Lord night and day, and I just burned out. That's funny. The apostle Paul never did. John the Baptist never did. He lost his head over the whole thing. John the Baptist didn't. Listen to me very carefully here. It would be best to temporarily stop and sharpen your tools. This is not a waste of time. This is wisdom. Those of you on the job, you have tools. You have to keep your tools sharp. I used to lay carpet. One of the worst things, you, one of the dumbest things you can do is let your razor become dull. So now you're pushing harder. You start ripping the carpet. And then you have to hold the carpet closer to cut. You know what's getting ready to happen, don't you? There was a 
guy one time using an eight-foot straight edge. So you put your knee on one part of the straight edge, and you reach out and put your hand on the top of the straight edge, and you pull that razor knife towards you so that you can make a straight cut. Trouble is, as he was pulling, it was dull, and he, he didn't want to stop and, and start the whole process all over, so he kept pulling. That razor jumped on top of that straight edge and went straight up his finger. men, he got some duct tape. I'm just telling you what the guy did. He wrapped, wrapped his finger in duct tape. You have to finish the job. My brother used to say all the time, look, you cut yourself. Get off the carpet. Don't bleed on the carpet. I said, but what about, I don't care. Don't bleed on the carpet. I was, I was doing rap steps, in case you don't know what those are. Those are steps that, that are just the step itself. You know, you can see all the way around it. And so you start and you, you staple carpet up here and then you wrap it around and you pull it and you staple the back of the carpet okay I was in a in a uh, condominium one day by myself and that's why I hate laying carpet don't ask me to lay carpet I'm never gonna do it and uh, I was there and I had pulled this carpet around and I was almost done for the day I was tired worn out and at the end of the day you know where I'm going with this right so I'm taking an electric staple gun that shoots into wood a 916 staple so I'm pulling this. It's not funny, Brother Miller. So I'm pulling this around, okay? I'm pulling this around, and I'm shooting into the. Not yet. It's not out. It's getting ready to be. And as soon as I hit that, now what you do, as soon as you hit it, you pull the trigger. Bang, pull the trigger. Bang, pull. It's like, it's like shingles or anything else. As soon as you hit, boom, boom, boom. It's kind of like a rhythm you get into. And sure enough, that thing slid and hit me right in the wrist. That's okay. I thought I missed. First thing I did, I grabbed my wrist like that. I went, oh, you've got to be kidding me. There's nobody else in the room. And when I looked at it, all there was, I thought it was a dirt ball. See, the top of that staple was only about that wide. And it had buried itself in my wrist. I was doing that too. Seriously. I, I, I was, whoo, boy, it got warm in here all of a sudden. And I saw that, and I thought, oh, good, I missed. Trouble is, when I tried to open my hand, these two fingers wouldn't come open. I don't know why you're laughing. I'm suffering, and you're laughing at me. What happened was, when I, I tried to open these two fingers, and this um, tendon went straight across. It didn't go down. It went straight across. I shot that, and it pulled that tendon down inside my hand. I'll take up an offering here in a minute. So. I pulled my fingers out like, and now I'm starting to sweat. I'm thinking, oh, and now I'm going like this. I got to get outside. I mean, really, it was, it was, man, it's getting warm in here. I knew I was going to faint if I didn't get outside. I went outside like any man. I grabbed a knife. I said, I got to get this thing out. I couldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't come out. This tendon went straight across the top of my hand. Have I ever told you this story before? Oh, it's a good. So I went outside, check this out, ready? I took that knife and I started to pull that out, but it wouldn't come because it didn't go straight in. It went on an angle and I'm trying to pull it straight out. So I finally get it out. Guess what I put around it to stop the bleeding? Duct tape. Look, you gotta finish the job, folks. And here's what we do in Christianity. Well, I got hurt so I can't, finish the job. Yeah. 
There's always going to be setbacks. There's always going to be. See how I rolled that right in there? There's always going to be. <laughs> there's always going to be temporary setbacks. It just happens, folks. Accept it, but don't let it make you quit. So, things that Christians must learn. Number one, you must learn to ignore ridicule. Number two, you must pray about those who ridicule. Number three, you must expect temporary setbacks and delays. It's going to happen. I get so frustrated with our city. Pastor Bell, love you for selling. You need to change that, and you need to change that, and you better take care of that. I'm thinking, what's, what's wrong with you guys? It's the best-looking building around here. What if they go over to Wedgwood and they go like that? Man, you guys are violent. I, you must expect temporary setback. Number four, concentrate more on building than battling. Concentrate more on building than battling. Go back to Nehemiah chapter number four, verse number 18. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side and so builded, and he that sounded the trumpet was by me. Did you get that? You see what he just did? Did you notice that? The builders had what on their side? The sword. What were they fighting? No, look at the next thing. So builded. We were ready to fight, but that's not what we came here to do. We did not come here to fight. We came here to build. Nehemiah went back there. Battling is important, but building and unifying and strengthening and establishing is what we need to accomplish our work. I try very hard to keep us from any unnecessary battles that may stop us from building. I know pastors who, who were called by God, watch, told, watch over a flock, and yet left off the building, left off the preaching, left off protecting their people, left off uh, unifying their people and establishing them to go out and battle the issues of the world. You're making a mistake. They have fallen from success. We try to fight the issues and problems that the enemy wants us to face. Even Jesus didn't do that. God did not save us and leave us here in this world to clean up the world and straighten it out. Help the ungodly be godly. Nor to do battle as they do battle. We're trying to fight the world the way the world fights. It's not working. We're losing. We're losing badly. J. Vernon McGee, I always like to listen to him. J. Vernon McGee said, God did not tell us to clean up the pond. God sent us to pull fish out of the pond. Amen. We're not here to clean up this world. We are here to get people saved and get them ready to leave this world, what we're trying to do. The best way a Christian can battle this world is to build and strengthen the body of Christ and the work God sent us to do. That's what God wants us to do. That's what God sent us here to do. Things that Christians must learn to succeed. It would have been easier for Nehemiah to come down off the wall, set the work aside. This would have been easier. This would have been. E That's why most Christians do it because it's easier to come down off the wall to leave the work, put an army together, go to battle. Let's just get this thing over with. That'd have been easy to do. And he probably would have won. But that would have mean leaving the very purpose for why God said, "I need you back in Jerusalem." Nehemiah. God did not say Nehemiah. You back over there and beat up everybody that's there. That's not what he said. And by the way, God didn't send you and I here to do this either. You don't think it'd be, you see some of the size of some of these guys we got around here? It'd be easier to beat people up 
to live, don't take that wrong, than to try to live godly in an ungodly world. That would have been the easy thing to do, right? I mean, when you go soul winning, if you can wrestle a person and force them to, to salvation, I, I'd take Brother Miller with me, I'd take you with me, I, I'd take Brother Dave with me and say, okay, boys, they need to repent, get them. You get them in a headlock, you twist their arm, you make them cry uncle or make them cry father, and we'll get them saved. Into that, but that's not the way it's supposed to work. We have to fight the way God wants us to fight. To build the walls, he may have, he may, he may have to battle. He may have to battle. He may have to battle. That's why he had a sword on. But he was prepared for that if he had to, but he went back to building again, and that's what God called him to do. Nehemiah, I want you to take everybody who's willing and go back and build the walls. He mentions nothing about battling, but they had a sword. If we have to, we have no choice. That's what we'll do. But you'll find out as soon as they did that, then building will be the wall. Turn to Ephesians chapter number four. We're almost done, folks. Fifteen more pages we're going to get to. <laughs> you laughed about that, but you hope that's not true. Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians chapter number four. <laughs> Even in your laughter, I can hear the hypocrisy. Ephesians chapter, ha, 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 you don't mean it, right? Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse number 11. God did not call us to battle the world. We're no match for the world. We are not, that's why when they got saved in Egypt by the blood, he said, now you get out of there. You're no match for them. Watch what he says, verse number 11, chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, no period, for or because, here's the reason he gave those, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Show me in here what we're going to battle here. Till we all come in unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine and the sliding uh, of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speak the truth in love, may grow up in him all things, which is the head, even Christ. And he goes on from there. Understand, God did not give these men that we just talked about here. He did not give these men to the church and for the work of Christ. He did not give them these positions and these gifts so they can go and battle and build an army to take over the world. By the way, can I just interject this right now? We are not building the kingdom and making the world a better place so Jesus can come back. Almost every radio broadcast you listen to and every TV broadcast you listen to, all they talk about is how we need to clean up the world because Jesus is coming back. There's no Bible for that. When Jesus comes back, this whole world will be a putrefaction of, of vomit. This whole world will be a mess. Jesus said, when I come back, I'm coming back as king and I'll straighten it out. Our job is not to do battle right now with other human beings and other philosophy. Our job is to be building, winning people to Christ, build them in the... I just read to you, I just read to you what God wanted us to do. That's what we need to be doing. The main reason and purpose for the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. He says right here, for the perfecting of the saints. You know what perfecting means? Completing, maturing the saints. Preacher... Your job isn't to go out there and fight with all these people out in the streets and, 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 and oppose them and tell them what you think is right and wrong. Christian, listen to me. I 
I don't think most pastors anymore even know why they're in this world or what they're supposed to be doing as a pastor. We actually believe, or come to believe, we're here to fit into our community and get them into church. That's not Bible. There's no Bible for that at all. Church is for Christians. The gospel is for the lost people out there in the world. That's why he didn't say, take my word into all the world. He said, take the gospel. The gospel, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. That's what's saved. This Bible in its whole does not save. That's for the individual Christian once he gets saved. The gospel is for lost people out there in the world. So we've decided on our radio broadcast to teach everybody the word of God. The Bible says in Corinthians that you cannot discern the deep things of God because they're spiritually discerned. And if you have not the spirit, you're not of his. You cannot under, and we're trying desperately to get the whole world to like us, to fit in, and get the whole world to calm down so Jesus can see we're doing a great job. There is no Bible for any of that, none whatsoever. He said for the work of the ministry, I am not here teaching you how to be a good police officer. I am not here to teach how to be a veterinarian. Or a vegetarian. I am here to teach people the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry. What goes on in this local church is what you're being trained to do. And then he says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The building of the local church and Christian. I'm not here to govern the whole. God gave me this flock. That's all I've got. That's all I can handle anyway. God gave me this. That's my job right now is to help you, to edify you, to build you, to do these things, to help the local church till we all come in unity, till we all work together in the same belief and the same purpose. We're not identical, but we should all be working together like a body. Everything here is all different, but notice how we work together. That's impressive. If Nehemiah had let... If Nehemiah, if Nehemiah had left the building of the walls to battle, if he had done that, if we go out and battle and leave off the building of the saints, again, success will not be ours to achieve. Well done, thou good and faithful. You stay at what I called you to do. Don't you worry about anything else. And then, so what am I saying? Things Christians must learn to succeed. Number one, learn to ignore ridicule. Folks, just put it in a file where it belongs. what Nehemiah did. I'm just telling you what Nehemiah did. It seemed to work. He succeeded. Expect temporary setbacks and delays. It's going to happen. The best people in the... I know a preacher right now who the, the, the city where he's at, I think he's in Minnesota. That doesn't sound right. Anyway, he's out west someplace. And uh, all, watch this. Watch this. This is just the way our government... Doesn't it frustrate you? If you've never worked with government and the IRS, man, you'd want to go to battle. Anyway, but don't do that. like our dry pond out back, right, and our bus garage, and other things, and you just simply go like this, okay, well, we'll dig the ditch, no, oh, whoa, 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 you can't dig the ditch, you must be a professional, a professional dig a hole in the ground, well, then you need a drain, you got to get a culvert, okay, we'll put, oh, no, 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 you got to have something staked by the city of Columbus, mucho dinero, 
for you and you're speaking people that has a lot of money and saying, oh, big money. Big money, is that, no, you don't, is that what it means? Big money, big money. You know spend? Don't start that with me. So the next thing you know, the reason they made us do this because we were trying, we had like 40 some thousand dollars set aside to start on a bus boat. Oh, no, no, no. Until, it's like blackmail. As soon as you do this, we'll give you the permit for that. Okay, we did that. Oh, no, 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 no. You got to do this too. Okay, we'll do that. Okay, can we have, oh, no, 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 no. Now you got to tear down this building over here. Okay, we'll tear down. Oh, no, no, no. You got to get a professional demolition company. What? That thing's about ready to fall down. That was up at, right after Noah got off the ark. That's part of gopher wood over there. You think I'm kidding you. That thing was up here lots of years before we ever got this property. Number five. Aim your anger at sin. Aim your anger at sin. Don't, don't aim your anger at sin. People are not our enemies. Go to Ephesians chapter number four. You're almost there anyway. Ephesians chapter number four, look at verse number one. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of your vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering and forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called unto one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through you all. Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6.12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. How many churches are involved in teaching lessons to lost people? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Against power. We better start focusing our right and power and authority against this kind of stuff. And the way you're going to do that is by preparing God's people to face this kind of a battle. Rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. I can tell you that's government, but it would be right. But anyway, go to First Peter chapter number 5. Almost there. Look forward past Hebrews, heading towards Revelation. First Peter chapter number five. It tells us who our adversary is. Quit guessing. It tells us exactly. It even calls him the adversary. You know who that is? No, it's not Brother Soren. It's not even Brother Miller. Either one of them. Or all of them. Here's what he says. Because your adversary, the devil. But see, we don't see him. We're not spiritual enough to recognize what he's doing, so we almost act like he's a figment of our imagination. Actually, we act like he's not even real. As a roaring lion walketh about, he's seeking whom he may devour. 
He's looking to destroy you. He is looking to take you out of the picture. Christian, everyone in this local church is a part of the body of Christ. You are not my enemy. You're not out to get me. I am not your enemy. I am not out to get you. We are of one body, just like God designed all of us by the Holy Ghost of God has been baptized into the spiritual body of Christ. If I become frustrated because Christians argue and fuss and fight, and they do. If I become angry because a brother or sister stumbles or falls into sin and goes back on God, I should not take it out on the local body of Christ, on the church. But that seems to be what we do. I should aim my efforts towards the sin that caused it and the being that's behind it. My enemy. I don't fight against flesh and blood. But isn't that the one that we eventually turn our attention to? Well, if it wasn't for Heidi, we'd be able to do this. Heidi doesn't know what she's doing half the time. Well, don't be blaming her. You know what it is? It's like, look, we're all in the same boat. You got that? Okay, so you don't like what I'm doing. I'm rocking the boat a little bit. So you pull out a gun and shoot a hole in the bottom to teach me a lesson. Why would you do that? Because something needs to be done. Bang. Okay, good. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Why would you hinder the very church? that you need, that God put you in, that God has blessed you with, that God helped you through so many things before. Well, if it wasn't for that person. So you're going to add to the problem. You're going to actually attack your own church because of something somebody let you down. Folks, it happens. It just, I hate it. I hate it. I wish everybody would stay. Come on, I wish everybody would stay. Come on, I wish everybody would stay. It just slipped out. Come on, now. Said preacher, then what do you want us to do? Hey, go win somebody to Christ. You know, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what you do. Go get a family and get them into church, and then you help them understand what is proper and right, and be their friend and help them. By the way, you can amen the preacher. That's why when people look around, are they really going along for this? Amen. Well, yes, they are. I guess they are. Even weird people in the fourth row. When a preacher or some other person in a position falls, instead of the remaining people getting mad at the devil and figuring out what happened and straightening all that out, we tend to attack. We become cannibals. The Bible tells us about biting one another. Be careful that you do not devour one another. In the nursery sometimes, this really throws parents you up, didn't I? Huh? Yeah. I don't know how they can do that. Now watch. She did it on purpose because she's mean. But when yours does it, they don't understand what they're doing. Right? This is the way we talk as adults. You gossip and talk about other people, but no, you're just trying to help somebody. 
they do it. The preacher, you just won't believe what's going on. Anyway, so okay, so there we go. Now, aim your anger at sin. And then finally, number six, I think. Yes, number six. Look at Nehemiah chapter 5. Nehemiah chapter 5. Go back there. After 2 Chronicles, Nehemiah chapter number 5, verse number 16. Nehemiah chapter number 5, verse number 16. Yea, also, I, Nehemiah is talking about himself, I continued in the work of the wall. Neither bought we any land. And all my servants were gathered thither unto the work. Moreover, there were at my table, Nehemiah talking about, him, about himself, a hundred and fifty of the Jews and rulers, besides those that came unto us from among the heathen that were about us. Now that which was prepared for me, what, what's, what's the table he set up for other people here? One ox, six choice sheep, also fowl, were prepared for me once in ten days, store of all the sorts of wine. Yet for all this required not I bread of the governor. He said, I didn't go any place. I, I'm still helping all these people because the bondage was heavy upon the people. Think upon me. And then he goes back to God and talks to him. You know what I'm saying here? Nehemiah helped build. Nehemiah gave his own money and the things that he had. He was a part of the work. He was participating in everything that was going on. Nehemiah helped to build the wall, bore part of the financial burden, and was ready for battle if he had to. He had a sword on, and he had the bugler right beside him. Practice what you preach. Number six, practice what you preach. Hey, preacher, I'm for this church. Boy, I want this church to really go. I want to get involved. Okay, then do it. Do it. Get involved. How about you get involved? How about you take a Sunday school class? I don't want to go clear back out there on a Sunday. How about you give sacrificially? How about you bring a family to church? How about you work a bus route? How about you help some struggling family? How about you edify? How about you help keep the unity? How about you help motivate others that are trying to help others? There's a lot you can get involved in. The success of this church will depend largely upon what people see in us, not so much what they hear of us. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples for the love you have. Now, don't get all mushy on this. It's not sloppy agape, okay? You get all, oh, why can't we just love and get along? Because we're human beings. So you need somebody that goes like this. Whoa, time out. Get over in your corner. You're getting over your corner. Okay, if you're going to have it, no, no bare knuckle fighting here. Let everybody put on gloves and be nice to each other. By the way, if that's the way you swing, you've never been in a fight. So there we go. And then I, I know a preacher go like this. And then he just punched me. I thought, that's not the way you punch. We must not allow others to detour us from being successful for our Lord. The Lord wants you to succeed in his work. It'll never be done the way you think it should be done. It has to be done the way he thinks it should be done. So you're going to have to ignore ridicule. You're going to have to pray for those that do about those that do ridicule you. You're going to just have to, folks, I hate it, I hate it. I, I wish I could tell you how much it irritates me when I have a temporary setback or I feel as though I've been defeated. I just want to go around and shoot everybody. 
I'm not going to. I'm just saying, okay. Oh, no, preacher, no. By the way, Brother Jordan, I heard what happened up to your sister's church. Huh? Right? Did you know? See, I hope I got this story right. Check this out. This, this is why we have certain men in certain places that ask you to do certain things. Evidently, there's somebody running literally from the police. So you come up to church, walk through the, oh, how are you? Come in, sit down among everybody. Going to blend in with the Christians. Did they get him? <laughs> Deacons kept going like this. We don't recognize you. Where are you from? <laughs> Honestly, I just got off the bus. <laughs> Please come walking in. Free, sucker! That's why we have to do certain things. I said, number four, concentrate more on building than battling. You can battle until you're dead. But building is going to last a whole lot longer. When I say building, I don't mean build beings. I mean each other, encouraging each other. Aim your anger at sin, not at people. And if you're for this place, practice what you preach. <laughs> Nehemiah said, I'm for these walls. He helped build them. I'm for these walls. He helped support it. I'm for these walls. He fed other people so they would stay. That's what Nehemiah did. Are we good? Ladies, you kill me. I don't really do that. I'm just, oh, it's them? I should have known. Ladies. It's him. It's her. You know, isn't it just like people that aren't right with God always pointing at everybody else? Oh, now you're, you're pointing at her. Isn't it always like people who aren't right with God pointing at other people? You're going to point at her anyway, aren't you? <laughs> and she's your what? Sister-in-law? You don't know who she is. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I say that about some of my family, too. Just kidding, in case you're watching. I love you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today.